microphones, Jeremy. And I gave you two lessons from the Old Testament of how the law affected the people to the place of revival. Uh, there, were, there were those as they returned to the land of Jerusalem after rebuilding the temple. They said, read the law to us. And as a result of reading the law, they confessed their sin. They made things right with God and God brought prosperity again to them. We also read of how the law affected in the times of Josiah the king. And it seems in the beginning of his reign, he followed the ways of his father David just because of common sense, just because of seeing how God had blessed David above all kings and he desired to be blessed in that way. But there came a day that he read the law. When he read the law, it so impacted Josiah's life, he fell on his face and he rent his clothes and he repented of his sin. The law made the difference and that's what we've studied uh, for a couple or three weeks. I'm going to the New Testament today and uh, we are in a passage of scripture here where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And what is interesting, he outlines these sins that brought the nation of Israel to the place of judgment and even captivity. So the same sins we find are from every generation and they are the opposite. The sins are the opposite of the behavior that is instructed not only for the children of Israel in the Old Testament, but for the Christian that is to be a peculiar people in the New Testament and in our day today. I want you to notice what Paul writes here and follow along and then we'll get into the lesson. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and let's begin in verse number 1. I'm going to read fairly quickly. I want you to follow along here in your Bible. Everybody looking at the word of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. I want you to notice the connection of the Old Testament to the New Testament. These things are our examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in, uh, uh, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let, it, let us tempt Christ uh, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Uh, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. 
Now he says again, now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So the same sins that brought the condition of the land in the day of Josiah were the same sins that brought the condition of the people when they went into captivity. They actually continued much of that behavior even after they returned to Jerusalem. But after reading the law, they repented of their sin and they restored the right spiritual behavior. Now we come all the way to the New Testament and the book of 1 Corinthians where he tells them those same sins are the same sins that are causing problems in our church today. So the purpose is to understand if the law brought revival in Josiah's day, if the law brought revival in Nehemiah's day, and the law, uh, then the and 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 the law or the word brought revival in the days of the church at Corinth, it could bring revival in our day today. It is for our learning. It is for our examples. Notice in your lesson, if you will, in our text passage, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he rehearses uh, the, uh, the people of God, the nation of Israel, and he tells the church here that the people of Israel in ages past were an example, that's the word, to the Christians in the church at Corinth. Now, the Old Testament, the New Testament, relative to our day. The same God that commanded the children of Israel to love him in their day is the same God that desires my love tonight, your love tonight. And it included not just the adults, but it included the adults teaching their children to love God, and that is still for today. Now, in this passage of Scripture, Paul names five specific sins that they committed that brought them to judgment and even to uh, captivity. It is interesting to note that the five sins of the people of Israel of the past generation were the same sins. Those are the two words there. The same sins of the church of Corinth in the current time. These are sins that are repeated in every generation of Christians and it is even obvious and even prevalent in many places in churches today. So what were those five sins? What do we need to be warned about? First of all is the sin of lust. The sin of lust. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 6. Let's read that verse again. Now these things were our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Take your Bibles and go quickly to the book of Numbers in chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And I want you to notice what he is speaking about specifically in this first generation, Numbers 11 and verse number 4, when he is talking about their lust, the sin of lust. What is that? Numbers 11 and verse number 4, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? Now I want you to notice, not talking about the lust for immorality, 
He's talking about uh, they fell a lusting and saying, well, who's going to give us flesh to eat out here in the wilderness? Verse number 5. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely and the cucumbers and the melons. Boy, it goes downhill from there. The leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Now look at your lesson. This is not lust of immorality. This is the desire to have what others have because we are not satisfied with what God gives us. They weren't satisfied with the manna and the water. They lusted after the foods of Egypt. Now I want you to think about this. They can't get that food. They're in the wilderness. It's not possible to get it. But that's what controlled their mind. Every time they ate that manna, they said, Boy, I wish I had the fish and the melons and the cucumbers and the, all the good stuff we had in Egypt. And I ate that every time. It's sort of like going to church and wishing you were at a ball game. That kind of lust. It's sort of like going to church and wishing you were someplace in the world. And, and, and that's what they were doing. They said, uh, uh, I wish we could have the food that we used to have in Egypt. They lusted after that food. That's where their mind was. They forgot about the slavery and the bondage. They forgot about that. And it's sad when Christians are saved from a life of sin and then begin to lust after the things that they enjoyed, forgetting the pain and the bondage and the difficulty that they came out of when they trusted Christ as Savior. Now he's saying to the church at Corinth, let's think a little bit here now. You were saved from a life of sin, and yes, you had some pleasures in your music. You had some pleasures in your behaviors. You had some pleasures in your Friday nights and Saturday nights. But now you're saved. You also had some pains. Your marriage was about to be destroyed. You were emotionally and mentally having problems. But God saved you. And now Christians sit in church and they say, boy, I wish I was back out there at the honky-tonk on a Saturday night. In fact, that's what kind of music I have in my car right now because that's really what I want. I'd rather go to the movies on Friday night. I'd rather stay out late on a Saturday night and run around with my friends. In fact, that's what kind of music I have on my phone right now. Now, these are the same sins from Genesis all the way through the New Testament church that they fell into. And we have Christians today. In fact, the churches got so bad, they said, well, you don't, you don't have to go to the uh, honky-tonk. We just, we just put the honky-tonk right up here on the platform and let you go to church and enjoy your honky-tonk in church. We, we just put our mini skirts on, just stand up here so everybody can look at your legs and thighs and and uh, we, we just go ahead and do that just right here in church. We, 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 just, we just dress you like you were in the world before you got saved. 
And that's what they were doing. The, the, the lust was after the things of Egypt. That was the first sin of Israel. We go to church today and we want inspirational rallies and talks rather than Bible preaching and, cheat and, and, and teaching. You see, my purpose is to be becoming more like Christ. Some Christians are trying to get as close to the world without falling off the edge. Well, I don't want to get hurt, but I sure would like to hear what I used to listen to. Sure would like to see what I used to look at. I'm not supposed to be living on the edge. I'm supposed to be becoming more like Christ. And what happened, so many people fell a-lusting. God killed that generation in the wilderness. None of them got to go into the land of Canaan. Then they went into captivity later, 70 years. Many of them died in captivity. You know who got to go forward? Those who decided the word of God, the blessings of God, the person of God. That's what satisfies my soul. That's what I want. And when this flesh lusts after those things it used to have, I'm going to say no because you need to remember the pain that brought. You need to remember the difficulty and the agony that brought. You need to be satisfied with the blessings of the Lord because those bring a calmness and a peace and a satisfaction. Notice this statement, this kind of lust is something that we must deal with when it enters our mind and our heart. Now our flesh is going to want that, but we have to remind our flesh. You remember how bad that hurt? Isn't it something you remember the Friday night you had fun, didn't remember the Friday night you got locked up in the jail? I've been to the jail many a Saturday morning to preach. I've seen fellows laying there that looked like they wore pretty decent clothes on Friday night. Didn't look too good with the vomit and all the everything else that was on them. Oh, preacher, I'd rather not talk about that. Oh, no, we'd rather enjoy the lust of thinking I can have it without going to jail. You go back out there, you're going to end up in the same place where you started. That was the first sin. Let me give you the second one. It was the sins of idolatry. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 7. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you see the description here? He's not talking about I carved out a little idol and I sat down and I worshiped the idol. That's not When you think about idolatry, you think about putting this idol and we bow down and we burn a candle, we make some uh, a smoke or something. That's not what he's talking about. You see how he describes idolatry? Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You know what they did? They used God to worship themselves. To please themselves. The people were supposed to love God and worship God. The Sabbath day was to be a day of worship and no work. You, you, you know a statement that, that brings fear to my heart? I hear it every single week. Every week. I'll invite somebody to church. I can't come Sunday. I work. 
but I am a Christian. You know, the children of Israel said, we would, we would honor the Sabbath day, but we can make more money if we work in our fields on the Sabbath day. There's no difference. It's the same thing. When somebody just decides work is more important, that's, that, that's what I want to do. And then he said to play the biggest idol that we have in our generation today is I'd rather play than worship God. The people of each generation would get their eyes on something to worship rather than worshiping God by their faith. Exodus 32, they made a golden calf that they did worship. They did make idols at other times in their history. There were times that they built groves and altars to false gods. But the biggest thing that they did was they forgot the Sabbath. They came to the place that didn't even recognize it. And God said, I'm going to take my Sabbaths all at once. Seventy years you don't get to work. Seventy years you don't get to enjoy the work of your, the, 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 the work of your labor, the reward of your labor. Seventy years you don't get to enjoy any of that. I'm going to make you a slave. You're going to work all week. You're not going to get paid anything. You're going to make Babylon great. I don't know about you. I think I'd rather get it done at the other time than give God what belongs to him. They said of one man who was out of church, and they asked, where is he? And the fellow said, I think he's had, having surgery. And they said, yeah, what kind of surgery? And his wife said he's having his tithes taken out. I've learned that God always gets what belongs to him. It's easier for me to just give it to him on my own volition than for him to have to take what belongs to him. We as Americans have many toys, and every toy takes time. There's nothing wrong with having toys. There's nothing wrong with having fun. In fact, I think a balanced life is a very important life to live. A Sunday belongs to God. There ought to be a time that I can commit to be faithful to serve God. Give me the third thing. Now, he's talking to the church at Corinth about what caused the death, destruction, and captivity of the children of Israel. He said the same thing in the church at Corinth that will bring destruction. Here's the third thing. The sin of fornication. Chapter 10, verse number 8. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. This is the sin of physical immorality. Numbers 25, they began to marry the daughters of Moab. Daughters of Moab were attractive because they were strange at flesh. The word strange meant different. Somehow we get used to what we have and we want something that looks different than what we have. That's what they did. They said there's something different about those girls from Moab. Uh, they dress a little more inviting. These old girls of Israel, they just they look sort of plain. Those girls of Moab look like they have a little more fun. And so they started marrying them. 
The Bible says in Numbers 25, they began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. They said, what are you doing Friday night? And they said, well, uh, we're getting ready for the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath? Well, it's a day that we worship God. Really? You have to do that every week? Yeah, we do that every week. Oh, we don't. Moab, we have a great time on Friday night. Sleep it off on Saturday. Why don't you come over here with us? That's why you're not supposed to marry somebody that's an unbeliever. Young people, listen, there's no need to even have the conversation to entertain a relationship before it would get to the place of marriage. We're not supposed to be uh, unequally yoked with unbelievers, and that's what the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 14. And uh, we're, supposed to, uh, we, we, we're not supposed to live in that type of lust and immorality. By the way, 1 Corinthians 10 says 23,000 died in a day. If you read Numbers 25, Numbers 25 says 24,000 died. Both are correct. 1 Corinthians 10 said 23,000 died in one day. The first day, 23,000 died. The second day, 1,000 more died, which is 24. And so there is no discrepancy in the Scripture. If you read both of those and you compare them, in the days of Nehemiah, in the days of King Josiah, they did the same thing. They had married the heathen of the day. Now, a heathen was a godless person, a person who didn't believe in God. Sometimes you may say, well, they were ignorant. They don't know any better. Can I tell you, none of that matters when God said, marry your own kind. You know what should matter to us? Whatever God said, marry your own kind. That's why our friends in our fellowship. That's why our friends and our fellowship can't be that of the world because you begin to reason with that and say, well, they're not really that bad. But wait a minute. What matters is what God says for us to do. And I'm telling you, our churches have got so far away from the word of God and the church at Corinth got to the place they talked about the immorality that was in the church and they got to where they came and gossiped about, did you hear this story and did you hear that story? And boy, Paul, I mean, he took care of business and he said, we're not even going to mention, we're not going to talk about that. That's not going to go on in the house of God. We're not going to allow that. The sins of immorality. There's no need to dress, ladies married, there's no need to dress like you're for sale. You belong to your husband. Men, there's no need to behave like you're looking for another wife. There's no need to behave like that. That sin of, 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 of fornication that came in every generation, and, and I'm not so ignorant as to think uh, that that just happened then and would happen in other churches. Hey, we're the same kind of flesh they are. The same thing can happen here, and when we behave as they behaved, we'll have the results that they had can fill your mind with everything on television and fill your mind and dress and talk and behave uh, sensual and immodest like that of the world and not expect for this type of sin to take place. It will. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says flee fornication. 
1 Corinthians 7, 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. And that's what the book says. That's how, we're supposed to, that's how it's supposed to be. Are you listening to me? Teenagers, it's one man for one woman. Children, it's supposed to grow up one man for one woman. Adults, it's one man for one woman. There's no need to look. Think of the fourth thing. The sin of tempting Christ. This is a sin of complaining in the process of the will of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. You remember that story. Numbers chapter 21. They began to complain. You remember I taught a lesson. I said it's okay to cry but don't complain. It's all right to call on God. Lord, we need your help. It's all right to consider and wonder what's God doing in our life. Hey, but it's never right to complain. God knows where I am. God knows what he's putting me through. And when I read the book of Deuteronomy, I find that God allowed all of that. There were times he let them get hungry. There were times he let them thirst. He wanted to see what was in their heart. And I want to tell you something. If you serve God just when everything's going well, you're not going to be a very good servant of God. And he'll put you through trials that will knock you out. He's looking for folks that can go through a trial and still stay in the will of God. You check the book of Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 5, where he said he tried them. This is like believers today when the pastor tells them what God says about how to live and they complain about it. Our vocabulary is not supposed to be worldly, carnal, and sensual. Our music is not supposed to be worldly, carnal, sensual not supposed to be it's why I just listened to it on Friday well I'm supposed to be a Christian on Friday just like I am a Christian on Sunday you say it's pretty hard not really when you realize I was a slave down here in Egypt and I'd Worked hard and never made a thing. I had a hard life and a tough life. And Pharaoh was making life more difficult all the time. But God uh, delivered me from the land of bondage. He delivered me from sin. Now he lets me work and serve and enjoy the fruit of my hands. And I give him my tithe and I give him an offering to let him know all that I have. It comes from you. I'm glad to serve you. It sure is better than serving Pharaoh and not getting anything out of it. It's better to serve you and go home on Friday night than it is to serve Pharaoh and spend the night in jail on Friday night. Our dress ought to be pleasing to the Lord. The Bible says we're not to fashion ourselves after the world. In the former, here's the words, lust of our ignorance. You used to dress like that because you didn't know any better. That's just the way all the girls dress. That's the way all the guys dress. That was, that was when you were in your ignorance. You've been saved. You're not supposed to dress like you're for sale now. I don't want to see your knees and legs. That's not that, that and, and, and the Bible tells us we're, we're supposed to be different in our behavior. Let me give you the last thing. My time's almost gone. The sin of murmuring. Notice verse number 10, 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 10. 
neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. They, this, this group, they organized a crowd to return to Egypt. Numbers 14, verses 1 through 5. They didn't like the will of God. They didn't like the work of God. They said, we're going back to the wilderness. We're going back to Egypt. How many of you folks want to go with us? By the way, there's always somebody in every church looking for a crowd to go with them back to the world. There always are. You get the notes, you get the emails, you get the text messages to come join them. You get them. I'm not ignorant of that. I, I, but, but it's not new. It's not something that's just been our church or a few churches. It's been going on since the book of Numbers. They said, we're, we're tired of being out here eating manna and drinking water. They didn't realize what they would enjoy in the land of Canaan. They had forgotten what God had delivered them from. There's always a crowd pulling up and saying, hey, we're going back to the world. We're tired of this. We're going to have some fun Friday night. Tired of Moses telling us what to do. He thinks he's a dictator anyway. Moses never behaved like that. He just told them what God said, just like I'm showing you what the Bible says and what Paul was teaching the church at Corinth. There was a crowd going back, by the way, I think, about and I contrast the crowd that was when Cyrus says you can go back and rebuild the temple I think about that crowd they said hey won't you go with me to help rebuild the temple or Nehemiah said won't you go back to Jerusalem and help me build the wall around the temple I'd rather be with that crowd going to rebuild than with a crowd going back to the world to destroy I cannot help but to think of those that have had the privilege of Christian education, that's the next word in your statement there, but they rebelled against their training to lead others back into the world. With every homeschool class, with every Christian school class, there's a crowd that says, I'm going back. And by the way, I don't want to say that without saying thank God for the crowd that said, I'm so glad that my parents gave me a Christian education and I'm going to serve God with my life. I stood here tonight, Miss Clan, who played the uh, piano, her folks gave her a good homeschool Christian education, works in our college, a servant of God. I think of our folks that have graduated from our Christian school, got text message from a half a dozen of our graduates today that, that graduated either from our Christian school or our college that want to serve God. Now, in this passage of Scripture, he's dealing with those that went back. And I don't want to, want to make you think everybody goes back. They don't. I just want you to know there's always a bus headed back to Egypt. I'd recommend you keep pressing on toward the land of Canaan. Now, in closing, all these things happen for in samples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the worlds are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. The warning of this chapter is followed by a tremendous promise. And here it is. There hath no temptation taken you. Now what is a temptation? It's a trial of my faith. What, what was that first one? The first one was to eat the man and drink the water. And my flesh think about the melons and the fish I had in Egypt. That's what the flesh does. The flesh says... That fish was better than this manna, wasn't it? Um, 
Yes, it was. And we had all we wanted. Now, the devil never will remind you of the pain of Egypt. He'll just remind you of the things you enjoyed in Egypt. But the wise Christian says, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm headed to Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm headed to where the grapes of Esco grow the size of where it takes two men to carry a pot of grapes. That sounds better to me than fish. And I want to tell you something, anything sounds a diet sounds better than leeks, onions, and garlic to me. But notice what he says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What does that mean? That means every man on this platform has the same temptation. I said to Bobby Robertson at age 85, I said, does it get any easier as you get older serving God? He said, the devil has a way to tempt a man at every age. And he said, I thought there would come a day that it would get easier. But it's not easier and you still have to fight the flesh and you still have to fight the devil. But thank God he makes the promise even though the temptation is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with, write it down, the word with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. It's interesting to me that the same sins are basically those same five that come all the way through the scripture right into the year 2020. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying Canaan. I'm enjoying the victorious Christian life. Preacher, are you ever tempted to go back to the world? My flesh is like yours. But I want to read the Bible enough. I want to be in church enough to remind me of what else is in Egypt. I did sure don't want to go back through that wilderness part where those snakes are. I'd rather drown in the Red Sea as face those snakes. Let's just keep pressing on. Just stay in the will of God. Stand with me.